We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to SEC Unfiltered, home of the best SEC content on the internet. The following is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code SECU to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick two to six players, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Prize Picks has no sharks optimizers or mass multi-entry guys it's literally just you against the projection they also allow mixed sports entry so for example you can take the over on lebron parlay with the under on mahomes they've got college sports pro sports literally anything and everything you can think of they have got it over at prize pick they also have a slick easy to use mobile app both on the app store and google play they're rated 4.8 stars in the app store with rave reviews as well. Guys, so many fans and listeners of SEC Unfiltered have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. So again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com, and when you do, use the promo code SECU to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from SEC Unfiltered sent you. Let's get it. Scona, the host of After Further Review on ESPN Baton Rouge, joins the show. Really excited to talk all things LSU, college football, and maybe just maybe a, about a certain head coach that hung it up in the last week and a half or so. Matt, first things first, appreciate you taking the time, my man. What's going on? Uh, 
Nick Saban retired. That's what's going on. It's the greatest freaking thing that could have happened in the last two decades. Um, I'm elated, overjoyed. Everything else is secondary to that right now. I I wanted to start there, Matt, and ask you first off, can I get your best evil laugh, like that evil villain laugh when you found out that he retired? I I think you've already done a segment like that on your show. Uh, uh, You know, I I feel like a lot of LSU fans, I saw you, I think I saw Jacob Hester that were just kind of like, he's gone. Like this, the celebration is incredible. I, I know. So I was on air live whenever I saw Chris Lowe's tweet. And I I think, um, and anybody, they've turned me into a meme because, you know, like the cartoon cat where the eyes get this big and bug out of his head. Like that was me. Uh, I was talking to Russ Mitchell from College Football News and Russ was talking and my eyes just got this big when I saw Chris's tweet. I'm, I'm frantically like scrolling over to make sure it's not a burner account, right? I'm like, is, is the is the L a one? And that's how they're trying to get you. And I'm like, no, no, that that's Chris Lowe. And, um, and I was sitting on air for anybody who's seen the clip and, and I was trying to be a little composed and sort of like professional. Cause it's one of those moments where when it happens live on air, you're thinking, okay, like this is a forever moment. I mean, Nick Saban retiring is something people will remember where they were forever when they heard the news. And so I'm trying to be composed and, and, be tactful and and this like like a switch in my brain goes what in the hell are you doing like nick saban is retiring react so man i just went i just did whatever came uh natural whatever came up came out and uh i just jumped around the studio and celebrated and laughed evil laughs i spiked a football uh, I definitely lost my voice. I threatened Chris Lowe that if he were wrong, I was going to find him. Um, but and I know, like to some fans, fan bases, maybe that seems obnoxious. Like I'm having so much fun on Twitter right now. Like every time, every time an Alabama player hits the portal or or someone decommits, I mean, I'm just I'm quote tweeting it with the Jim Carrey GIF from uh, Bruce Almighty when he's kind of like, you know, the 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 sheepish smirk. Um, and I, I think for a lot of people in other fan bases, it, it, it just doesn't hit like it does with LSU and even with Auburn and I get it, you're in the same state and the Auburn, Alabama rivalry is what it is, but that's always going to be that regardless of whether Nick was there or not, Auburn and Alabama is always a thing. The LSU Alabama thing took on a completely different meaning January 1st, 2007, when Nick took that job, because he was here. He won. He wasn't just here. He won a national title here. He won LSU's first national title in 45 years. Even when he left for the Dolphins, LSU fans were still revered Nick. A lot of people don't know this. His first year in Miami, the Dolphins played in Tiger Stadium against the Saints because it was the Katrina year. So the Saints played half their home schedule in Tiger Stadium. There were more people cheering for the Dolphins than the Saints because they were cheering for Nick. It was only when he went back to Alabama, and then he became your the 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 person that built you became your biggest obstacle, and and everything came to a head on January 9, two thousand twelve, in the national championship game in New Orleans, where it's in the Superdome. It was LSU's greatest team 
maybe ever up into that point. And it was soiled by a guy that used to coach you getting a do over. They didn't deserve. And it just, and then the eight game losing streak. And it just, it was in, I know I'm, I'm talking, I'm rambling, but it, I'm trying to give perspective. It, it was a 17 year reign of terror for LSU fans. There's no other way to describe it. It, it was even with all of the successes LSU's had. And in that time, they won two more national titles and played for the third that we just talked about. And you've now had two Heisman Trophy winners. It's impossible not to sit and think how much more could it have been had he stayed or if he had never gone there. Go anywhere else, just not there. And so when he when the news came, it's it's one of those things where you know, like you ask athletes, hey, you know, can you ever imagine what it would feel like to win a championship? Well, you can imagine it all you want, but until the moment comes, you don't know what that's going to feel like. And so I think that's why you've seen such a cathartic release from so many LSU fans and players and people associated with the program. Because, like, I I don't – even if LSU doesn't win a game next year, I'm still going to revel in every Alabama loss. Like, the two are not mutually exclusive. Like, I am going to revel – in their misery because they have shoved their success in everyone's face for the last two decades. And Matt, no need to apologize, by the way, because I, I find the perspective fascinating because, again, normally you ask people, hey, what are your thoughts on Nick Saban retiring? And it's, it's you know, it's a nice answer, informative, you know, some critical analysis mixed in there. But I feel like, like you mentioned, it definitely hits differently for, for LSU folks because you talk about, again, you know, it, it happened so long ago but then again you think about what Nick Saban like you mentioned did at LSU and it's like this I'm sure at first it was a really weird like conflicted emotions and then you know he starts beating you every year practically and you learn to hate a guy that you once loved really really quickly and like you mentioned that that 2012 national title game uh, was that the most painful experience with Nick Saban or, or what were some of the other oh, from his oh, tenure? No, no, yeah that is if you ask any LSU fan, like this is the level, and I, and this is why the context matters, because I don't think people outside of here understand it. If you ask any LSU fan, January 9th, 2012, they know the day. Like everybody knows the date of that championship game. Because, look, that was, I mean, LSU's undefeated season. LSU hadn't had an undefeated season since 1958. Iron Matthew was a Heisman finalist, that incredible year. LSU blew out Oregon. I mean, the, the resume that year, they blew out Oregon, who was number three in the country. They went to West Virginia, the team with Pat White and Steve Slate, like a great West Virginia team. I, I'm, I'm sorry, with G, Pat White, G, uh, with Geno Smith. They they blew them out in Morgantown. Uh, of course, they, they they beat Alabama in the 9-6 to six game in overtime in Tuscaloosa. I mean, Arkansas, They that was Bobby Petrino's team that came to Baton Rouge, ranked number three. LSU blew them out. They beat top 10 Georgia in the SEC championship. I mean, it was – people forget, like b- – because when you don't win the last game, people will forget how great you were. It's just – and that's – that's history doesn't remember who finished second. So people have forgotten how amazing that season was, that team was. And for it all to end the way it did, embarrassing fashion, being shut out in the Dome, which, I mean, it's a – that's a de facto home game for LSU. The Superdome's 60 miles from LSU's campus. I mean, New Orleans is an LSU town. And that that is the worst, that is the worst moment in LSU athletics history, period. Like no qualifiers, nothing else needs to be said. 
the worst moment in LSU athletics history was that lost championship game. And a lot of, not all of the stain, but a lot of the stain of that day was wiped away with the Joe Burrow season because 2019 was so emphatic and so magical. But there's always that piece back there from from 2011 that that will that will always linger with LSU fans always. So Matt, what's your reaction every time a new Alabama player hits the portal? I, I'd have to imagine there's kind of a little little, little celebration there. <laughs> I don't think you feel too bad, right? <laughs> like <laughs> I, I don't feel bad about and, and anybody who's going to say that's childish and petty. I don't care. Not one iota. I don't care if it's childish or petty or foolish or stupid or sophomoric. I don't care one little bit what anybody thinks because it's not your feelings to feel. It's mine and every LSU fan's feelings to feel about this. So, yes, the fact that I have watched Alabama go through the run they did, and in that time we've had to listen to the the houndstooth-wearing, cousin-kissing, bammers, shove that success in everybody's face i don't care i am going to remind all of you how blessed your existence has been for the last 17 years how preordained your existence has been and how now you are all going to live in sports fan hell for the foreseeable future and kalen DeBoer may end up being a great coach chris i think he is a great coach and he may end up doing great things at Alabama. He may win a national title at Alabama. I think Kalen DeBoer, he got Washington to the national championship game. He he could absolutely win a championship at Alabama. But he ain't going to win six. He's not going to go 17 years in the SEC, losing only 18 SEC games. You know how absurd that stat is? Nick Saban, in 17 SEC seasons, lost 18 SEC games. That ain't happening again. I don't care how good Kalen DeBoer is. So every time a player transfers, every time someone decommits, every time you lose a coach, you lose a game, you have a bungled situation at the end of a game and you lose, I am going to be right there to shove it in your face and laugh mercilessly at you. And you may turn around and say, well, what would the Tigers do? I don't care. Not one iota. LSU goes 0-12 this year, but Bama loses four games. Those four games will be the best day of my Saturday. Will be the best Saturdays of my year. I just cannot wait to continue to revel in the destruction of that empire. And it is going to be it is going to be so much fun watching it burn. So, Matt, the good news is this. LSU isn't going to go defeated next year, right? I think you and I, many others would agree they're going to have a pretty good team. How do you feel this now opens the door up for Brian Kelly, right? It's a, you know, maybe using the word pivotal is too strong, but it's an important year three. I feel like for most folks, they identify year three as like, okay, this is the year now it really goes into gear. I know there were national championship aspirations and maybe some national title expectations this previous season after winning the SEC West in year one. And I, I really do believe the defense is pretty much solely to blame for that not being a reality. Brian Kelly has taken serious action getting a brand new D coordinator. I think arguably the best defensive line coach in college football. There's a lot of change going into year three. You no longer have the Heisman Trophy winner. You no longer have Malik Neighbors. But anyways, your thoughts on now that there's no more Nick Saban. We know Georgia's atop the SEC. How does this now, though, open the door, do you believe, for LSU to maybe kind of fill in where Bama once was? 
Well, it's an interesting question because, and, and I don't, I'll, I'll answer it, but it's it's hard to answer because we're go, we're embarking in a new era of college football that we don't know. There's a lot of unknowns, right? Like there are no more divisions in the SEC. So if you go, you don't have to go through Bama to win the West, right? So LSU plays Alabama this year, but you could see rematches in the SEC championship game. And then with an expanded playoff, you clearly don't have to play in the conference championship game to make a playoff. Both Missouri and Ole Miss would have been in this year, you know, if we were in a a 12 team system. So um, to that end, I don't know how much it really matters because, you know, when we get to, when we get to November next year, I think, or next season, I should say this year, but next season, you know, I think the things that we're going to be talking about are with, with the contenders are okay. Who's competing for a buy? who's competing for a home game, and then who's competing to get in the playoff. And I think LSU will be in one of those three groups in November. They should be. Um, I, I don't know if they're going to be good enough, you know, undefeated to be competing to be one of the top four teams at the bye. I think they could be good enough to be one of those four teams that hosts a, a first-round game. And I, I think if they don't fix the defense in a hurry, they'll be lucky to be one of those four teams, those last four trying to get in. So, um to the extent that that Alabama impacts it, it of course it matters because they're on your schedule. And that's one team that a lot of people, I think, would, would have had penciled in, probably sharpied in, uh, as far as a team in the 12-team playoff. But I, with all the roster turnover Alabama's had, it's hard for me to imagine them being a team in the playoff next year. If Kalen DeBoer pulls that off year one, considering how much their roster has been gutted, that will be one of the best coaching jobs in the country. Um I don't know if I believe that that's going to happen. And even if it does, I don't know that Alabama is really a contender next year. Matt, simply put, do you think Brian Kelly wins a national title at LSU? I do. Uh, Because the last three guys here have done it, and two of the three, they're not as good a coach as Brian Kelly is. Um, You know, I say all the time, my audience here has heard me say this over and over over the years, the advantage at LSU is the dirt, and it's why Brian Kelly took the job. You know, LSU is one of, I would say, three schools in America that is in a talent-rich state where you are the only power five, and it's Georgia and Ohio State. Now, with respect to Georgia Tech, I know Georgia Tech's a power five, but, I, we're, but it's not, we're not having the same conversation. But Georgia Tech isn't trying to uh, – isn't battling Georgia for recruits, if that makes sense. And then Ohio State, Ohio's a talent-rich state, and there's, they're the only power five. So you have the pick of the litter, um, and it's why LSU is and always will be desirable because you put a fence around the state of Louisiana to keep the best players home, you have a roster capable of winning a national championship. And I think it took Brian Kelly a couple of years to figure, to, to evolve and figure that out here, that it's different recruiting here than it is at Notre Dame. I'll give you an example. Uh, last year, L- LSU, for the class of 23, when Brian Polian was the was the recruiting coordinator, LSU signed a three-star cornerback out of Las Vegas. And and I, I, it's no disrespect to that young man. He's still on the team, and I hope he has an awesome career. But you can throw a rock and hit a three-star from LSU's campus. There's no reason to get on a plane and fly to Las Vegas to, to recruit a three-star cornerback. 
Um, I mean, literally the first day Brian Kelly was hired, he got in a car and went and saw five-star Shelton Sampson, you know, four-star offensive tackle Emory Jones, four-star safety Kylan Jackson, four-star running back Caleb Jackson, four-star quarterback Ricky Collins. I mean, these were all guys within 15 miles of LSU's campus that he all saw the day he was introduced. Like, that's the advantage that the state of Louisiana has always provided LSU. And I don't think Brian Kelly knew how to utilize that initially. Well, he's made staff changes. You know, Frank Wilson, who's Louisiana high school royal coaching royalty, is the recruiting coordinator again. Um, they brought back Bo Davis. They brought back Corey Raymond, Brad Davis, uh, Joe Sloan as ties to the you know, to the state and recruiting. And and this year LSU signed twelve of the top thirteen kids in the state. I mean, it's it's kind of, and, and it, they would have had them all, except for Wardell Mack was a cornerback out of New Orleans who signed with Florida to go play for Corey Raymond, who got fired, and then Wardell Mack went to Texas. So they might have signed all the top 13 guys in the state this year. So, yes, I, I do think Brian Kelly will because he's got he's got a long enough runway with a contract that he'll be here for 10 years. And somewhere along the way, he's going to build a roster that's talented enough because there's enough in this state to build a roster talented enough to win a championship. That's why you've seen each of the last three coaches do it. Matt, Blake Baker takes over as defensive coordinator. It's hard for me to believe that LSU's defensive struggles, I mean, historic defensive struggles were a talent issue. I'm not saying they don't need to shore up a couple positions, but I mean, do you see the defense making a complete 180 or do they still have to shore some things up in regards to talent across the board on that defense? You know, Chris, even if that defense this year was just 50% better than they were, that's a playoff team. I'm not telling you LSU wins the national championship. I'm not telling you they beat Michigan, but they're they're a playoff team. Um, man. Uh, talent is an issue. Make no mistake. Uh, you know, I look at that roster, the defensive roster from this past year, and as odd as it is to say about an LSU team – that kind of for the previous decade it branded itself as DBU. It's not a single defensive back from this year that's an NFL player. None. Um, you brought in Omar Spates at linebacker, and that he just didn't have a great season. Um, your best interior defensive lineman, Makai Wingo, was hurt, missed the last month of the season, played injured all year. A anyway, I could rattle off names for days, but – LSU had two big problems in 2023 on the defensive side, uh, talent and coaching. Those are two big, big, pretty big problems to have, but they're working to fix it. So the coaching is obvious. They've replaced the whole defensive staff. Uh, and I think they, they've replaced them with really good tactical coaches that can also recruit. But they still need to improve their talent. A and I would put cornerback and defensive tackle still as musts. Like they have, in, in the spring portal window or however they go along, they're going to have to add a, at least one more guy at tackle, defensive tackle in a corner that are capable of being starting caliber players in the SEC. Otherwise, they're going to be dangerously thin. They're, LSU's losing its top three interior defensive linemen. There wasn't much to mention at all in the secondary last year. Uh, and I think you got some young linebackers that could be good, but they are a ways away from being uh, – from being respectable, let alone good or dominant. So um, 
I'm I'm very skeptical about year one of the defense. It can't be worse. I mean, it can't be worse than like literally the worst ever. But how much better can you be is a really good question that they got to answer. Uh, Matt, what about Harold Perkins Jr.? I mean, I, I'd imagine there's nobody happier than him about you know Blake Baker coming on, taking over the defense. But uh, a, a guy that was regarded going into last season as maybe the best defensive player in the SEC, and I mean to say he had a disappointing year is is putting it lightly. And again, that goes back to a scheme issue, a coaching issue. When you look at his game and his skill set, how do you think they should utilize him, and what is the best way to utilize his skill set? Well, the interesting thing about Harold is, you know, he spent all of last offseason training to be an off-ball linebacker. And he's just – he's not an inside linebacker. That's not what he is or ever will be. But he was trying to be Devin White. Um, he's better when he can rush the passer, but he's not big enough to play a three a three-technique defensive end, right? He's not going to put his hand in the dirt and bend the edge. He's, he's not Micah Parsons. He's not that big. So you kind of play him in this sort of – nickel sam roll and they figured that out at the end of you know the second half of 2022 when he had the amazing second half of his freshman season but you also had bj ojolari on the field so teams had to account for a legit nfl rush end in ojolari and it was like okay pick your poison so you know teams are going to scheme perkins out of the box because if you put him in that nickel sam roll and you you motion someone out he's got to go have coverage He's going to play, and he's athletic enough to do it. He had a beautiful interception against Missouri this year, dropping in coverage, which really, if you go back, that changed that game. I mean, Missouri was moving the ball at will until Perkins got that interception, which really allowed LSU to, to mount their comeback and win it. Um, but that's his role. I mean, that's what it's got to be. It's it's that nickel Sam role where they'll they'll use him creatively to rush the passer, but teams are going to scheme him out of the box, and you're going to see him in coverage. But but Perkins, if you actually go back. He stuffed the stat sheet this year after the first three or four weeks, and he really was effective. It's just that LSU was so bad defensively. Even when Harold made a play, nobody noticed because they were awful. I mean, Harold could get a sack and be third and seventeen, and then LSU would give up a forty-seven-yard run. It just it he wasn't the problem last year, and I and I credit Harold for, for playing hard despite you know, all the expectations and not really living up to what the expectations were for him. But but he's a great piece on the chessboard to have for Blake Baker in, in 2024. Like you mentioned, Matt, earlier, LSU will take on Alabama. That game this year is in Baton Rouge. Maybe a silly question, but what are you expecting from that atmosphere? Because like you mentioned, there's 17 yeah. or so years of frustration, I think, that's going to be kind of packed into one night. And I think – Fans of the Bayou Bengals are going to show up, kind of wanting some some revenge. If you, especially if Bama looks yeah. like we think they may look at that point in the year. And Bama, look, Bama may be maybe really talented, may come to Baton Rouge and beat LSU next year. Might um, I wouldn't surprise me. I think Bama still have talented players. Um, you know, honestly, the atmosphere probably won't be what it has been for Bama games when Nick was there. As odd as that may sound, um, every other year, you know, that's that's the game that's always the hardest ticket that's always going to sell out because it's the one that everybody knows you have to get if you want to reach your goal, right? I mean, if, if LSU wanted to go to Atlanta, you had to beat Alabama. If you lost to Alabama, they weren't going to lose enough for you to, to, to overcome them, and they would have a tiebreaker against you. So 
there was always more angst associated with that game because of what it meant to your to your end end game to your goals and i don't know that that's going to be the case this year so will it always be fun when you when you have an opportunity to, to play alabama yes i mean it'll be sold out and it'll be there'll be intrigue and interest and all that sort of stuff but it will be a very different field just like it was a very different field you know alabama came here in 2006 with mike shula and then in 2008 was Nick's first time back in Tiger Stadium. And that felt like you were walking into the Coliseum. I mean, that felt like everybody was ready for just outright war and blood shed in 2008. One of the most intense environments I have ever, ever seen in that stadium in my entire life. Um, it'll be different. I'm not sure what it'll be like, but I'll be, I'll be intrigued. Matt, let's switch gears a little bit. I see in the background there you've got the LSU basketball player. So Matt McMahon's program, your thoughts. I mean, I Can you name that player? I can't name that player, to be honest. Oh, man. I'm just surprised you don't have the Shaq cut out. I feel like that's kind of the go-to for LSU. Um, are you going to – Are you gonna? do I have to go Google it or are you going to spoil it for me or what? Uh, probably the greatest player in SEC history that nobody gives enough respect to. That is uh, Chris Jackson, a.k.a. Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf who as a freshman at LSU scored 53 in a game down in Gainesville against the Gators. If you don't know about Chris Jackson, go, go to YouTube. Like Chris, do yourself a favor. When we're done, hang up, go to YouTube, type in Chris Jackson. Um, the, um, the great Phil Jackson, um, when asked about Steph Curry said, uh, Chris Jackson, AKA Mahmoud Abdul-Roof was Steph Curry before Steph Curry. So, um, Anyway, he's a fascinating guy and uh, one of the greatest basketball players in SEC history. Uh, his number 35 is retired at LSU. Uh, but just PSA, <laughs> go to YouTube, search Chris Jackson, go down the rabbit hole, have fun. Um, I think Matt McMahon took on a, a really impossible task a year ago. I mean, LSU gave him a seven-year contract. Seven years. And they, which is unprecedented, and they had to give him a seven-year contract because that's probably the only reason, only way you could have gotten him to take the job. Uh, Will Wade had been fired. Nobody knew what the NCA was going to do as far as sanctions. If LSU was going to get a postseason ban, scholarship restrictions, that was still looming. Uh, two weeks after taking the job, Matt McMahon had zero scholarship players. Say that again. Zero. He literally did not have a scholarship player on his roster two weeks after he took the job. Like, you think the exit is at Bama right now or something? Um, so last year was a total punt. I mean, it was just – you can't even look at that and judge anything about last year. And they were off. They won two league games. Um, but he hit the portal. He – God, he can coach. Uh, they got real fortunate – with uh, the Jalen Cook news, Jalen Cook started his career at LSU, transferred to Tulane, had two great seasons there, transferred back, didn't get the transfer waiver, but then the NCAA lifted the you know the, the waiver requirement. So he's played now for the past eight games for LSU, or seven games for LSU, and they're five and two in those seven. Their only losses are to Auburn and Texas. I don't think this is a great team. I don't think this is an NCAA tournament team. It's a nice start. They're 3-1 and one in the league. They've already got more conference wins than they did a year ago. But I think this is a team that, that can make the NIT, can taste postseason and have something to build on for next year as LSU gets its basketball NIL rolling and Matt McMahon continues recruiting. He's a great coach. Um, the, the fundamentals of the game, 
the ability to, to have a fun up tempo offense and moves the ball and runs the floor, uh, prides themselves in defense and rebounding. It's a fun brand of basketball to watch. He's just got to get players and he needs time and he'll get there, but he's just not there yet. Matt, final thing before we get you out of here. Talk a little LSU baseball. We're less than a month from opening day. Your just thoughts on the Tigers, of course, you try to do what hasn't been done, I think, in over a decade now, which is go back-to-back national championships. This LSU team might be the team to do it. Tommy Tank's back in the lineup, and there's no Paul Skeens, there's no Dylan Cruz, but, I mean, LSU's just going to reload, man. We know that. Preseason top five team in the D1 baseball, top 25. So your thoughts, and what's the excitement level from the LSU fan base for baseball season? You know why I love the doing stuff like this, Chris? Like the fact that I can come on a pod like this and we can talk LSU, Nick Saban, football, and range all the way to baseball, and people care. You know what I mean? It's not just a throwaway question. Like people in this conference care about baseball, and it's awesome. You know, I mean, I'm like I'm a guy growing up in Baton Rouge who I'd go practice base. You know, I had baseball practice, and then my dad would pick up me and my brother, and we'd go to the box and watch the middle three on a school night. You know, and then we'd go home. So I've, I mean, I love the big, I love this program. I grew up in LSU's Bergman era of the '90s, winning five and ten years. So um, this is going to sound crazy, but I think LSU is actually going to be a better team this year than they were last year. Uh, you do not have a Paul Skeens, and you you probably never will again. Uh, Dylan Cruz won the Golden Spikes. You do not have you do not have Dylan Cruz, obviously. But you know, one to thirty five, they're they're deeper and they're more talented than they were a year ago. Um, you know, last year you had Skeens as your horse at the front of the rotation, but LSU really struggled last year to find their two and three. Um, Ty Floyd emerged late, and then we saw Thatcher Hurd really come on late as well. But this year, I mean, with Thatcher Hurd, Luke Coleman, Gage Jump, your rotation's already set with three juniors who, who are all capable of being Friday night guys. They will hit one through nine. Tommy White's back, as you mentioned. They signed the number one class in the country. For perspective, Chris, LSU signed a kid this year named Cam Johnson, and they got him to campus. He's 6'5", 240. He's a lefty that throws 100. <laughs> Guys like that don't show up on campus. They, they just don't. Um, but he had his number. No NFL team was willing to give it to him, or and, uh, MLB team was willing to give it to him. And so he showed up on campus. He'll be here for three years. A 6'5", 240 lefty throwing 100 as a freshman. How you doing? Like – and he's and he's not even going to be in the rotation. So yes, it's an embarrassment of riches. They're going to be really good. Baseball's a quirky game though. The best team doesn't always win. You know, you got to go play your best baseball in Omaha over 10 days. But um I expect LSU to be back in Omaha. If they're not, it would be a real disappointment. And you mentioned Matt, the passion of baseball. I'm a baseball guy myself and again, you look across the league, I, you know, people talk about how good and how deep the SEC is in football and in basketball. Certainly they made strides, but I mean, you talk baseball, man, six of the top nine, the priests is the top 25 or SEC teams, eight of the top 25. I mean, the league last year, the two teams that missed the conference tournament were the previous two national champions. So, I mean, <laughs> it, it's, it's a nuts. And then you add programs like Oklahoma and Texas. And I mean, people think about the football impact with the baseball. Imp- I mean, it's, the league is just – it's dumb. It's dumb how good the league is, which I love it. I mean, again, baseball guys like ourselves love it, can't wait for first pitch. Matt Moscona does a fantastic job after further review, Baton Rouge, ESPN Baton Rouge. Matt, let folks know where they can find your work. Yeah, Chris, I would say if you can spell my name, you can find me. There's a lot of vowels in that last name. But, um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm afternoon drive on ESPN stations all throughout Louisiana. 
Uh, if you're on YouTube, just search 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. You'll see all of our, our daily lineup there, podcasts. You can stream us, all that stuff. And I'm literally on any social media any social media platform. Just search my name. You'll find me. And uh, I think we do a good job post-producing a lot of content. So if you like short form, vertical video, long form YouTube, we audio, we podcast, we have it all there. So I mean, I'm an easy guy to find if you can spell my name. <laughs> Matt, appreciate you taking the time, my friend. Looking forward to see what LSU does the rest of this basketball season, of course, in baseball, and no doubt on the gridiron this fall as well. Appreciate you doing this, my man. Thanks, Chris. My pleasure. All right, we'll cut it there, Matt. We'll run it on our live show uh, early next week. But, dude, this was awesome, man. This was awesome. Love you guys' work. I've been following from afar, and uh, y'all keep up the great work, man. This is great. Sweet. Thanks, man. I appreciate the invite. We'll catch up soon. Yeah, man. Sounds good. Okay. Okay.